Well, folks, welcome to the Noble Man Podcast. This is episode number eight. Last week, we heard from a panel of expert mothers, my mom included, and we had a lot of fun talking about the noble man honors his mother. Well, this week, we're shifting, and we're talking about how the noble man can honor his wife. And just to give you a preview, next week, we'll talk about how the noble man delights in his daughter. And the week after that, we'll talk about how the noble man can make every woman in his world feel safe and comfortable. And so um, I am thankful that we have with us today Dr. Tom Elliff. Dr. Elliff uh, pastored for many years in multiple states. He served overseas with the International Mission Board and ultimately served as the president of the International Mission Board. He's spoken at our conferences, and so we have him here today to talk about how the noble man can cherish his wife. Welcome, Dr. Elliff. We're so glad you're with us. Hi, Mike. I'm glad to be here with you. Well, Dr. Elif, I, I was uh, just kind of chatting with you about this earlier. We we did a survey last week um, and asked guys, what's the worst gift you've ever given to your wife? And so let me just read a few of these to you, and then I would love to hear the worst gift that you may have given to your wife. So vacuum cleaner is on here way too many times. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> There, there are way too many kitchen appliances and utensils, but but some just uh, blew my mind. An antifreeze recovery kit for the car. That's a bad idea. A stair stepper, a Bowflex machine. Um, what else have we got? A lawnmower, a set of golf clubs. One guy said he gave his wife a set of golf clubs uh, uh, so that he could play them, not for her, but for him. So what's the worst gift you've given your wife, Dr. Elephant? Uh, I, I, I'm gonna have. I can't let this pass without <laughs> reminding you of the guy who whose wife said, as she was giving him a little hint for the Mother's Day, she said, "Honey, I uh, and and actually she had passed by the showroom of a car dealer and seen a brand new Corvette, and she said, he, he said, what can I get you, honey? And she said, well, I saw it today. It's wonderful. It's red and shiny, and it will uh, go up to 200. And he he thought a little bit and he said, I got it. And the next day he presented her with a set of bathroom scales. And, uh, that was not exactly <laughs> what she wanted. <laughs> yeah, that was a bad idea. Oh my That's goodness. Right. I, I will tell you that, I, that, that to my recollection, of course, for all of us, we've all had this experience. The worst gift is no gift at all. Yep. And, um, uh, but maybe not. There may be things that are almost insulting. I would have to tell you that, uh, in my recollection, the worst gift, which showed absolute thoughtlessness, was uh, to say to my wife on a special occasion, well, honey, since this is all about you and this is your special occasion, I want to ask you this question. Where do you want to go eat? She realized that I had thought of that question about 10 seconds before I asked it. <laughs> yep. Oh, me. We ought to be thoughtful, right? We when should we're be. Dealing with the treasure of our life, that's for sure. Indeed. Well, tell us a little bit of your story. Um, I know you have a, a wonderful story of, of how God blessed you in marriage for 49 years and then um, gave you a, a second marriage. So tell us that story in, in your family. Yes, he did. Um, Jeannie and I were married for 49 years, four children, 25 grandchildren, 
And uh, even to this day, they serve all over the world. As a matter of fact, on, on Good Friday, we connected on the Internet. We could all see each other. Uh, parts of our family were in Greece and in Jordan, uh, Amman, Jordan, and in Chiang Mai, Thailand, and then uh, here in the United States. I led them in the Lord's Supper, as a matter of fact. So uh, wow. as we, we, we love our children. We, we thank God that they're serving the Lord as they are. After 49 years of marriage, uh, my wife, Jeannie, uh, passed away, graduated to heaven following a nine-year battle with uh, breast cancer. And that in itself is a, is a real story. And uh, uh, we just loved each other passionately. And after she passed away for a year and a half, I, uh, I was just, you know, I was, I was walking. I was... Uh, it's like somebody hit me in the stomach with a baseball bat. I could hardly breathe or stand up straight. And, and I thought I was going on really, really well. And one day uh, I began to realize that it isn't good for a man to be alone. And I, I, I began to see that I was just very, very lonely. Yep. And I trusted the Lord, and I was walking with the Lord. I, it was not that uh, he wasn't meeting all of my needs and that I wasn't busy. But um, one day I wrote in my journal, and I think men ought to journal, and I thank you for reminding us of that constantly. But I wrote in my journal that uh, I said, Lord, I guess you, you want me to be a single man the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And he does that with some people. <clears throat> I said, uh, uh, and I know you're going to give me the grace to do that. I closed my journal, and I looked out the window of my study, and I began to cry. And I said, but God, I'm so lonely. Do you have anyone for me? And the phone rang. I mean, wow. just like that. <clears throat> On the other end was uh, uh, the wife of a man who had, re- who had passed away, a pastor, wonderful, godly man, well-known, Wayne Barber. Wayne, of course, precept teacher, men's speaker internationally. And uh, Wayne had passed away of Lou Gehrig's disease, as you may remember. And... Um, uh, Diane and Wayne had uh, two children, both uh, a daughter married to a minister and a, a son who is a minister. And um, she was on the other end of the phone. And I honestly, um, our uh, connection with their family was was went way back 36 years to a to a, a restaurant in Salzburg, Austria. But we rarely connected. Sure. I would not have recognized her had she walked through the door. Uh, that's just how rarely we. And little involved we were with one another. And um, she, when I heard her voice, she said, this is Diana Barber. And I said, well, Diana. And I, in fact, I said something about Wayne's passing away. And um, she said, I don't I don't call men, but the Lord has told me to call you. And I, I immediately thought, I know why. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we began to talk. And 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 Mike, Diana's way of describing this experience is better than mine. She says it is as if um, we were walking down a path, Wayne and I, she said, and Jeannie and me. Mm-hmm. And there was a big hedge between us. We were both unaware that the, there was anybody on the other side of the hedge, as a matter of fact. And we walked down, and one day, God took Jeannie to home to be with him. And then another day, God took Wayne home to be with him. Yeah. And then one day, God took away the hedge. 
and we saw each other and we have continued we've married now we'll soon celebrate next month our third anniversary and as i told the men at that conference in uh, richmond we're having more fun than shooting rats at the city dump (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome and the lord has just so richly blessed us and we uh we were talking about this the other day our most our most blessed times i think each day is the time that we spend together in prayer wow and this is a very deliberate very uh uh we we don't let anything push that out of the way we don't let anything uh keep us from taking all the time we need it gets longer and longer and longer to pray for family members and and we now have, you know, we have six kids and 33 grandkids together. And so just praying for them keeps us busy. But we pray for folks in ministry like you. We pray for missionaries around the world, leaders for national awakening. Um, but it is a wonderful, cherished time that we spend together in prayer. That is so and, beautiful. Uh, it, it, is, it is beautiful. She's beautiful. It's a beautiful relationship. And we thank God for it. Wow. Well, you've already used the term just a moment ago that that I wanted to talk about. And that is, you said it's a cherished time. Why would you say that's a cherished time? What what does that, why would you choose that word? You know, um, it's a word we usually use when speaking about people. I cherish my relationship with Diana. I cherish her. Because when you cherish something, it means that it becomes a focus of your attention. It means that you are determined to protect it. It means that you want to know everything you can about it. You know, in First um, Peter chapter three, verse seven, we're reminded, and our you know listeners know this verse, yep. but that husbands are to live with their wives in an understanding way. And how can you understand? your wife if you don't really make every effort to listen to her heart not just what her her lips are saying but what is her heart seeking to communicate and uh, that's why as you know some years ago i developed a a list of questions that that uh, i would ask every year Uh, i think every husband should ask his wife these questions every year in one fashion or another in order to understand what's going on in her heart well, a- absolutely, and that's exactly where I wanted to go. So um, we're going to put a link in so that guys can get to these questions, but why don't you tell us about the development of this list and how it became a practical application of your efforts to cherish your wife and love her well and, and just kind of go through your recommendation about how guys can use these to express love practically to their wives. Well, there there was a, a time years ago when I was re- we actually were on a vacation, just my wife and I, and I was I was studying this very passage of scripture in First Peter chapter three, and um, he said, "Dwell with your wives in understanding way as with someone weaker, literally a a prized or cherished vessel, since she's a woman. Show her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers won't be hindered." And um, I had been in the process of writing a book on prayer, and suddenly I began to realize that my relationship with my wife had everything to do with whether my prayers were effective or whether they were hindered. That's a sobering um, realization for a man. 
boy, is it ever. And uh, so I, I, I sat down. At that time, I thought, you know, I need, I need really to hear the heart of my wife. And I sat down and wrote out these, um, these questions. And the next morning, I said to her, hey, let's, uh, let's go to one of our, it was a dining place way up in the mountains. And I said, let's, uh, let, let's go there. Uh, I'm going to take my notebook and my Bible. I don't want you to take anything. Well, to say to her, uh, let's go do anything without having her day planner and everything else along with that. Uh, she said, what is going on? I said, you'll know. <laughs> and uh, then knowing that the setting was right and that we had all the time we needed, I say this because uh, a guy came to the conference one time, got these 10 questions and wrote them out and uh, said they don't work. And I said, really? He said, yeah, I went home, handed my wife a list, said, fill this out and hand it back to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, we're really dense sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> we so, are. Um, so I told her, I said, we're going to stay here as long as you as you want to stay. And I said, I'm I'm going to write down. I said, you know, if you ever want to ask me any questions, that's on you. But I'm going to write down your answer. So be sure that you answer these questions as fully as you as you want. Don't don't hold anything back. Because I, I, by the end of the day, I want to assure you that it will be my heart's desire to respond in agreement and with change where necessary. And uh, I asked her uh, in, in the course of the asking these questions, um, I asked her, you know, what, what is, what's something I could do to show you? how much I love and appreciate you and your role. She said, what you are doing right now just speaks volumes to me. And what she was, she was responding to the fact that she, she felt cherished because I was paying, I was paying attention. So I wrote out those out. Did you know that um, uh, I started doing that every year, asking the same questions to see if I was making any progress. (laughs) And we weren't, we weren't in it very long before, uh, she said, well, I have 10 questions. Right. And uh, so we made that. We took time every year to go away, just sit down, take time to ask each other those questions. Later on, it occurred to us that our children would benefit from an exercise like that. And so we developed 10 questions that parents ought to ask children, not in one setting, of course, but just over the course of a year. And uh, all of this... Mike, let me just go back. All of this is a reminder to to us, I think, that we can't understand anyone unless we listen to them. Listening right. says you're it says you're important to me, right? And and it real it reveals we understand God's grace. We are heirs together of the grace of, of mm-hmm. life. Uh, uh, we read it in First Peter. And but the bottom line to me was that if I wouldn't listen to my wife, God was saying He wouldn't listen to me. So uh, that that really put a different spin on it for me. And 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 I I still uh, Diane and I I ask questions. I don't sit down and ask a list like this. Right. Uh, that was that was for Jeannie and me. But in a different fashion over the course of uh, a week or two, I I come in in a rather oblique fashion and just ask these same questions 
because I want to know the answer to them. It has everything to do with, with how I respond as a husband. Well, and, and so you just hit on another point there that I think uh, would be a challenge for a lot of guys. It's, it's one thing to summon the courage and uh, take the initiative to ask the questions, but um, your effort can ring hollow if you are not prepared to make changes and to take action to put into practice what, what your wife's responses would suggest. So yeah, what, what exactly. recommendations or thoughts do you have about that? Well, I write them down. Yeah. And uh, uh, when I was asking 10, just 10 questions straight out, I would write the answers down. And at the end of the day, I'd go back alone and go over them. And I would bring her a, a letter from me saying, you know, as we talk together, here are some things that, that you raised as issues. You know, I mean, I would ask questions like, you know, are there things I could do to show you that I want to be more like Christ? You know, yeah. um, is there something you'd enjoy doing together? Uh, do you feel I respect you? You know, things of this nature. Sure. Well, um, uh, I would come back with a letter at the end of the day and say, by God's grace, this year, I want you to hold me accountable, and I want you to—I want to tell you that I desire to change in every one of these areas. Mm. And it helped knowing that, you know, when the when that year was over, we were going to sit down, and I was going to ask the questions again. Right. And um, it was always a relief to hear, you know, what I don't even have anything to say to you about that because you you did everything that I was talking about, and I wasn't—it wasn't about you serving me, but it's just been amazing to watch what you've done. Then others. You know, it was always <laughs> interesting to say, uh, you know, did you did you remember that? <laughs> so uh, but it's good for for uh, couples to be not only accountable to God, but and accountable. I think men especially accountable yeah. to other men. Iron sharpens iron. But we we must be accountable. Our our uh, mate in life needs to have the privilege of walking up and down every corridor, opening every door, pulling out every drawer, looking behind every object in our life to see what's really there. They deserve that privilege. And so many couples, uh, they're together and they, you know, they sort of, okay, with each other, but both of them have these hidden areas of life. They've not allowed their wife or their husband to, to invade. Yeah. And nothing deepens love like being an open book. Right. So S secrets become divisive in the relationship. And, uh, Absolutely. And, and even without us recognizing it, they drive a wedge. Satan, Satan takes up residence in that little fissure and just sure. works his way. Um, and, and it's a great way to put it, crack. and that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very graphic way of putting it in truth. So um, you mentioned other men. I'm, I'm curious because the, these questions and the conversation between you and your wife could be quite private. So did you ever yes. go to the extent of sharing with some guys that you were in uh, close and confident fellowship with, hey, I, I need to work on this. And and so I just want to talk with you about it. Did you ever share any of this with some men who could help hold you accountable? And, and what did you experience with that? You know, 
that's really interesting that you that you asked that question. Um, men need men, and yes. men who think they don't are the weakest of all men, not the strongest. Um, years ago, back in 1980, I guess it was nine. I've always had men who held me accountable. Let me say that right. both mentors, both mentors in my life, and men who've held me accountable there. There are three of us <clears throat> living in Oklahoma City now. We call ourselves the Over the Hill Gang, but we <laughs> went to school together. We worked in churches together. We traveled the world together. But um, these, are our, these are our accountability guys. But in 1986, uh, we started a, a, uh, a men's group, just informal, a group of guys in our church we met, at a bank, as a matter of fact. They weren't all in our church. Um, uh, we had people from every walk in life, and we started meeting. We meet to this day. Wow. In fact, the next next week we're going to regather. We met. We missed for the first two times, I think, in history. We even met on Christmas morning and New Year's morning um, uh, before by changing the time to meet really, really early. But... Um, these guys know everything about me. I mean, and I know everything about them. We we sit around at these small, just generally same guys at a table in this room. One of us speaks, <clears throat> never the same guy that spoke the week before. And it's for the purpose of just bearing our heart before these men. And then we sit there and say, okay, let's just let's just talk about this, what God has said. And what's going on in your life? How can I pray for you? These men know me like a book. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> so it's not unusual for one of us to come to that table and say, boy, my wife really uh, opened up a can of worms last night and shared something that she's concerned about that I never even thought about. Do you guys see this in my life? Mm. And uh, generally, I've discovered that a table of men are generally vote with the wife. <laughs> they don't vote for you, <laughs> but they um, they 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 care about you, right? And that's the you know iron to sharpen. You have to have abrasion, and so it takes that that kind of abrasion. And and they they uh, these guys are great. As a matter of fact, I know we're going to speak next week because I'm speaking next week, and I'm I'm speaking out of a passage God really worked me over with a couple of weeks ago about getting Moses aside and alone. It took 80 years to do it to finally get his attention. And I said, look, I'm, I'm going to tell them I'm 76. Has it taken God this long <laughs> to get my attention? <clears throat> so, you know, yeah. Well, that's the question. Well, I got to tell you in, in that last statement, you answered the question I was getting ready to ask. I was, I was going to ask you if you would be okay for me to, to ask how old you are because I, I think there's some guys who think, well, I I can graduate out of needing accountability with other men. And, um, you know, I, I've outgrown that I'm, I'm mature enough. Hey, that I don't need uh, that. Mike, my, my mentor. Well, I have, I have two living mentors, uh, who remain, but the third one of those mentors, uh, passed away in November, uh, one month shy of 102. Wow. And uh, I'm telling you, this guy spoke so much truth into my life. And, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, most guys, people sort of disappear at the age, you know, a certain age, you've outlived your friends. There are over a thousand people 
at his funeral. I had the privilege of sharing at his funeral. But but uh, uh, last November, Diane and I went down to see him, and and um, he said, hey, you know, he said, Tom, he said, I've been I've been studying the lives of of, of men. And he said, I've been looking at things that make a difference. And he said, I think notice he said these these key football games. He said, I read an article last night about how many were lost because a player started celebrating too early. Right. And then I mean he he pulled me up short. <laughs> and he said he said he said, Don't you start celebrating too early. Wow. He said, uh, "That's that's what heaven's for." He said, "We've got." He said, "Until that, until then, he's a runner." He said, "Until then, I want you to keep your head down, keep digging, don't look back." And he said, "You cross the finish line, then we'll celebrate together in heaven." Mm-hmm. And he went to meet the Lord not long after that. So we need men. We need mentors. Man, we sure do. Uh, wow! Right. Thanks for sharing that story. That's going to bless some guys. I tell you. One of the things that I see, even I mean, we're recording this in the midst of this coronavirus response, and and uh, many men are being forced into some level of isolation. But um, that doesn't mean that you can't be connected, and that doesn't mean that you can't be transparent and vulnerable with some other men. As a matter of fact, uh, these very times probably require that we be more connected and more vulnerable and more transparent. Isn't that the truth? Yes. Isn't that the truth? You know, over the years, and not because I ever deliberately set out to do this, but over the years, I have I have come to a point where I have this unusually large, and I'm embarrassed to say this, I've never asked for anything and never bought anything, but an unusually large and expensive, expansive, I should say, collection of knives hmm. and occasionally mike i'll i'll put on a, a hunting jacket and i'll put knives in every pocket of that hunting jacket i'll go get in front of a bunch of men and i'll start laying these knives out here's one that costs maybe here's one that's worth twenty five hundred dollars all the way down this little old bitty swiss knife down at the end and i will remind them that there is a situation in which that Swiss knife, as insignificant as it may look, is worth more than that $2,500 knife up there with the mastodon tooth uh, as a handle. Uh, it's, it's worth more. And that's if you need something sharp. And, all, and, and the Swiss knife may be sharp. If that thing is not sharp, the expensive one, it's, it's worthless. Yeah. I don't care what you call it. It's worthless. And so we are to sharpen iron, like iron, we are to sharpen one another. And so my question of the men is, is this, and these are men who are my age. A, right. who are you sharpening? B, who's sharpening you? Right. Well, it's got to happen. One of the things I often say is that if you're going to, if, if someone's going to grind on you, sometimes their sparks are going to fly and it's going to, there's going to be heat <laughs> and, uh, it's going to be uncomfortable, and it. so, boy, we, we really need those guys in our lives. Um, I love it, don't we? And boy. so, um, I, you know, our time is growing short here, and I just, um, I'll, I'll ask you one, one final thing. Um, I've got three sons. The oldest one is married and is actually living in Hawaii. We hope to visit him. I, when I was out there last, went to your son's church in Hawaii. Yeah. And, um, but I've got two other sons and a daughter that we are, are hopeful will God's providing spouses for all of them. What would you say to young men about how to start life well to make sure that they are cherishing their wives and um, and holding them in right stature so that uh, their prayers are not hindered? What, what advice have you given to your sons? Will you give to your grandsons? So what do you say to the young man? Hey, 
it doesn't start at the altar. Being the man you need to be for your wife starts way before you get married. Yeah. You need, you need to you need to become the kind of man that the kind of woman you want to marry would want to marry. And uh, so if you let all kinds of trash into your life before then, uh, I would have to tell you that, that uh, uh, you're already making some mistakes. But, you know, and I know, Mike, yeah. because we work with these men all the time, that sometimes marriages that have been trashed are rescued by God and by God's grace. And so your question is good. At that moment, God puts his heart in that man, and he wants to cherish that wonderful lady that, that he has placed in his, in, God has placed in his life. And so your question is, how, how can I cherish her? And I would say, honestly, can, can I give you more than one thing? Absolutely. Can I give, can I, can I give you more? Number one, number one, I would say, you, you need to make sure that you cherish Jesus above everything else. Amen. There's no, no. So you start there. Number two, listen to her. Listen to her and respond to what she says. I was, I was uh, t- saying this to, uh, and, uh, we were sitting at the table with Dennis and Barbara Rainey one time, and, and Barbara and Dennis started laughing. They said, Dennis said, one day said, I was sitting in my chair, I was reading the newspaper, TV was on, Barbara came in. And uh, she said, uh, I got something important to tell you. And he said, shoot, go ahead. He said, I never took the, turned the TV off or took the paper down. And he said, <laughs> I said, she said, listen to me. He said, I'm listening. And she, he said, all of a sudden, wham, he said, the paper went fly out of my hands. <laughs> she grabbed my face and he said, she said, listen to me with your eyes. Ah. That, that is, so listen to your wife in, in a responsive fashion. That is with an intention to respond appropriately to what she's to what she's saying and and then how keep your heart before god mm. you've got to put your heart out there and make sure that the devil doesn't have an opportunity to just walk through it and get, get you know get one piece of ground after the other um a lady said to me one time that she was worried about it she said i'm scared for my marriage and i said why she said my husband watches tv i said uh you want to explain that? She said, and when she told me, you know, watching TV is sitting there with a power bar in your hand and sliding up and down the channels trying to see what might titillate your senses. Yeah. And she said, I, I watch him watch TV, and I know what he's looking for, and it scares me. Wow. And so keep your heart, keep her heart, and let God have your heart totally. I think those three things are so very, very important. Wow, what a powerful message to finish this up with. Dr. Ella, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. Uh, I, I could sit here and talk to you all day, and I, I figure folks could listen all day, but we'll, we'll save uh, some time for another conversation. But thank you so much for being with us to talk about how the noble man can cherish his wife. And Dr. Ella, thank you for, for running the race so faithfully and for being an example for all of us and for providing practical help with these questions we're gonna we're gonna share those with the men if it's okay with you you bet and thank you mike for the incredible ministry god has entrusted to your care Mm. and uh i love you praise the lord for you look forward to visiting with you again amen folks uh i'm gonna bring this to a close this has been how the noble man can uh how the noble man cherishes his wife. I'm sorry about that. And then next week, we're going to talk about how the noble man can delight in his daughter. 
and then we'll take a look at how the nobleman makes all women around him feel safe. So be on the lookout for those updates from Noble Warriors, and we will talk to you later. God bless you, men.